I'm going to talk this morning on the subject when God seems silent. When God seems silent or when he seems distant to us. Father God, we pray that you would speak into our hearts on this subject, which is an experience for most Christians, that there are times when we feel distant from you or silent from you. And we pray that you would encourage us in this and understand that this is a normal part of Christian experience. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've never hit the wall as a runner. I think it's fair to say that. I've never hit the wall as a runner, due mainly to the fact that I don't run, which is, um, I think, one of the safest ways of ensuring that you don't hit the wall as a runner. I did once as a child hit the wall as a runner, and I lost a tooth, but that's another story. (laughs) But I've hit the wall as a Christian. And I think most Christians, and sooner or later most prayers, hit the wall. And by that I mean that your feelings seem to grow numb. You feel disconnected from God. You run out of words. You run out of prayers. Your thoughts aren't clear. And it feels like Your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. And God seems silent and he seems far. And often or not, sometimes, um, these, these times when God seems silent and he seems far come on the back of real challenges in our life. Tragedies sometimes or traumas that we've experienced. I heard the story of somebody called Carl, a retired chaplain. He spends his days in a wheelchair, and every 30 minutes a little buzzer goes off where he has to move himself so he doesn't get any pressure sores, and that's his life. He was a very active person. He used to cycle a lot, but on one occasion as he was cycling, he cycled with a team, his front wheel hit a grate in the road, and he went flying over the handlebars, and landed um, on something. I wasn't quite sure what it was. But in the process, he crushed his vertebrae. And he actually damaged his spinal cord to the point where he's paralyzed from the chest down. And from that moment onwards, he's felt that God was silent. He felt God was distant. He said, I keep praying and I keep believing, but I can't seem to get through to God. We're going to come back to Carl in a moment. But that, that experience, whether it's a trauma or a difficulty or whatever it is in life, that leads us into a place where we can't reach God, is echoed in the scriptures all the time. And it's echoed especially in the Psalms. And if you have your Bibles with you, come with me to Psalm 13, where the cry of the human heart is not just an angry response, but it's cried out to God in something that we don't do very much today, which is called lament. And I think, actually, in Christian thinking and Christian circles, we need to recover what the Jews had richly in their culture, which was this call of lament, where your pain and your anguish against God and against what was going on in your life was actually prayed out. 
It wasn't just kept from God, it was prayed to God. So in Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him, my foes, and rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Echoed not just in the words of the psalmists and all the way through the lamentation scriptures, such as Lamentations itself, of course, and Jeremiah and Job and other parts of the scriptures, but echoed, of course, in the life and person of Jesus, who predicted hundreds of years earlier in Psalm 22, from the cry of desolation, if you like, and deration from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. The interesting thing that Carl says in his story is that he says, I've discovered something which isn't used a lot today. I discovered that I can pray and talk about lament. And I can do that through the Psalms and through the Lamentations. I have this permission in lament to speak out and to pray out my pain to God. And in that, I discovered that there was a process of healing, a process of restoration. But sadly, Christian radio, TV and books and magazines speak little of God's silence and they speak little of lament. And yet it's important for us because it's a normal experience for Christians. It's normal for us to endure this thing of this sense of distance from God. Why, Lord, have you forsaken me? And we come either from an accident or an illness or a marriage breakdown or divorce, and in the silence, there's a tendency that we might blame ourselves, that in some way we're the ones that have caused this silence, this distance. But we recognize and we need to recognize that our relationship with God is different to other relationships. He's never ceased to be close to us. He's never ceased to be alongside us. And the scripture tells us that he's close to those who are brokenhearted. But we can't always sense that. We can't always feel it. And so we need to trust and to believe. So how do we survive the silence. If you go through those kind of experiences, how do we survive it? One, I've got a few suggestions from Scripture. One is to experience Him differently. Experience Him differently. It may be that you can engage with God in creation. 
Maybe that's a way in which you can really experience God, particularly when he feels silent. And I look back, there are two moments in my life where I was wowed by his creation, absolutely stunning moments. And they were dear to me, and, um, and they still are dear to me, because they, in some ways, engaged me with God. I encountered God in the natural world. And the first one was when I was quite young. We had a forest nearby. It was, it was, an, it was a forest. It was a bird sanctuary, ancient woodland. Um, and it was quite extensive. And you could go for walks, and it was lovely. And one morning I woke up, and I remember this vividly because it was a bright, sunny morning, but it had been snowing all night. And the forest was the most extraordinary experience. As I walked through the forest, it was glistening snow, untouched, just beautiful snow um, with the sunshine coming through the trees and I remember that moment being quite a powerful moment for me in terms of my relationship with God and how I can connect with him and I was able to connect with him in quite a different place and in quite a different way. On another occasion I remember being wowed by God's creation when we had the advantage we had the benefit of um holidaying in Crete and I was snorkeling I haven't snorkeled before nearly drowned myself but um, I managed to do a bit of snorkeling just off the coast of Crete over some of the coral reefs and I'd never seen anything like this before it was the most stunning beautiful thing to have seen and to be part of and it reminded me of Psalm 104 how many are your works O Lord in wisdom you've made them all the earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. In other words, this sense by which we can engage with God. And it may be that you might want to engage with him in a different way. It could be that you, you encounter him differently. It could be that you go to a cathedral and hear Evensong and the beauty of that music and the, the splendor of that building impacts you in a different way but I think when we come to a place of silence or we come to a place where God seems far we can't break through I would encourage you to seek to experience him differently because in that we might be able to experience something of God that connects with us in a slightly different way another thing that's really important for us to remember is that when God is silent, so when we feel that God is far, that we're learning something. And if something goes deeper in our experience of God, not everything is revealed. In other words, our relationship with God is quite different to others. We don't have all the answers. The interesting thing is that in the Gospels, people approach Jesus with a question 183 times. 183 times they approached him with a question and he only gave a direct answer three times out of those 183. is that interesting? Only three. Mostly he responds with questions or with stories or parables or teaching. In other words, I think what Jesus is saying to us in our life experience is not so much why is this happening to us, but what can I learn from this? What are the lessons here? 
What is God teaching me? Where is God taking me and showing me? And in that, we come into a deeper place because in the waiting on God, in the silence of God, there is this pursuit of God that we have, this desire for him that takes us into those depths. And I thought what we might do, because we're going to sing it a little bit later on, is I think it would be good for us um, to read this psalm together, which is a longing for God's psalm. So if you've got your Bible with you, um, we're going to read Psalm 42. You'll know it well because it begins with the words, as the deer pants for streams of water. And if you have your Bible with you, we shall read together. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Misa, deep caused to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. We'll finish it there. Amen. This cry out to God, which you hear there, but it's also a calling, if you like, a deeper calling into our very being, into our spirits and souls, to be drawn into a deeper place with him. Experience God differently in the silence. Recognize that the silence is a way in which we are being drawn to God. I remember once when I went to college um, um, for um, theological training college, we had to do silent retreats. I'd never done a silent retreat before. And I thought, what's the point of this? Silent retreat. Just like not talking for a whole day. And I discovered, though, that it was a wonderful thing. Once I got over my prejudice, (laughs) it was a wonderful thing because in it, I was able to sort of engage with the Lord in a really deep way, a way in which I hadn't really done so before. There was a sense of waiting on him, a kind of pursuit of God. And in that in that process of just waiting on him, without really saying anything, but just listening for him, I just had these waves, this sense of God's love for me. And I think actually, in some way, the silence is a call to go deeper and to say, I've moved further away. Now you come, you come up to where I am. You come closer to me. And some way, the silence is not to be feared. That sense by which we feel distant from God is not to be feared or something that that troubles us. It's something that we should learn to embrace because in it we can come to a deeper place in the Lord 
a deeper fellowship with him. Finally, I think also it's really important in those times of dryness that we learn how to lean on others. Because you discover that when you're going through a dry place, not everyone else is. Um, Now, that can be quite irritating for you if you have somebody around you who's full of glory and full of hallelujah. Um, But it can also be quite a help at times as well. And we can survive the silence by leaning on others. So that when the cloud descends, and we know that not everyone's feeling the same, we're encouraged by other people. And I find it very interesting that Jesus, when he teaches on prayer, often teaches on collective prayer, not on single prayer. So he says, our Father who art in heaven. In other words, this, you know, this, this sense of the plural pronoun at the beginning, so that there is a sense by which we are together. Or he says, when two or three of you are gathered in my name. And of course, the disciples were gathered in the upper room at Pentecost, which of course must have meant that, that was their common thing to do, particularly in the festivals, to gather together and to pray together and to be one together. I came across the story of a lady called Lynn. Um, she had um, a difficult upbringing, a quite a traumatic upbringing. She said by the age of eight, she'd been molested by a relative and was both emotionally and psychologically abused by both parents as long as she could remember. And her coping strategy was to just disappear, was to fade into the background, not say anything kind of live under the radar so to speak do everything as well as she could and try to hide her pain and in no way reveal how she was feeling or the pain that she was going through and she said this all it kind of worked up until she was about 19 years old when she was 19 she was involved in a horrible car accident in which her best friend her only real companion in life was tragically killed And from there on, she felt enraged with God. She felt her heart was not just broken, but she felt that God was a bit like her father, uncaring, cruel, and a betrayer of trust. And this simmered in her for ages until it just exploded in her mid-30s when she was married with children. And she just had anger issues and depression and all kinds of of problems that started to come through as a result of this trauma. And she said that as they came to the surface, that she felt that it was through the kindness and the prayers of other Christians that she felt that she could connect with God. She felt so cut off from God, so distant from God, And as if God was just nowhere near to be seen. And and in that, it was through the prayers of other Christians and the prayers of her Christian friends that she felt she could hear God's words speaking into her heart and speaking into her life. And the Lord will use other people. He will use other Christians. So even when we feel that we are isolated from God, don't isolate ourselves from one another. It's vital that we recognize that.
I'm going to leave you with this little passage of scripture which you know well. It's in Acts chapter 12 and it starts at verse 12 and it's one of the little stories I love. It's where Peter is released from prison and when he's released he goes to the house of the disciples um, and he bangs on the door. And I don't know if you know it well, but I love it because, first of all, um, it features somebody called Rhoda, who's just a servant girl who opens the door. And I love the fact that Rhoda's named. She doesn't do anything. She just opens the door. And what's more, she doesn't even let him in. She closes the door in his face, leaves him on the street, and then goes in the house and says, oh, Peter's here. So, um, so I love the fact that he goes to this place. The first place he goes to is to the place where people are praying for him. And he's released from, from, from prison because there's an angel who breaks his chains and takes him out. And as Literally, as he walks out, the gates just open up supernaturally. He just comes out onto the street. And that happens because of this group of people who are praying and the angels are moving in response to their prayer. And I want you to read this. Let's just read this. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet, and described how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. He knew they were praying for him. Isn't it amazing? how we're sustained by one another and how we connect with one another and how the Lord wants us to do that. When we're going through the dry season where God seems distant and he seems far, we need to learn how to lean on one another. You know, it's interesting, the words, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, often used in evangelistic talks, of course, And we know it well from Revelation 3. But when Jesus spoke those words, he spoke them to a church full of believers. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And we need to understand that our relationship with God is one that requires firstly a stillness to hear the gentle knocking. And then the faith and the will and the desire to open the door. There are going to be times in our Christian life where we desperately need him and he's asleep at the back of the boat. And it's in those times that we need to learn how to trust him. How to trust him in the times of silence. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we have one another, that you speak through us. 
We thank you that you speak through your creation into our spirits, that we have receptors in our spirit that can hear you and receive you in all kinds of ways. And in those times of silence, when you feel distant and we can't connect, remind us that this is part of the Christian journey. Remind us that in our pain, that we can cry out to you in our pain. Because that's, if you like, the scripture of lament. And remind us, Lord, that in all these things, you take us into a deeper place and into a richer relationship with yourself. Amen.